Hello and welcome to another episode of this particular album is very, very important to me. I'm Deborah Tarika. And I'm Joel Spence. This is the podcast where we ask people we love to pick an album that is very, very important to them and here they share their memories. Great and not so great. And emotional connections. Great and not so great. And we all get to listen to it through their ears. We did it, kind of. Kind of. Good job, Joel. Thank you. Let's start with my particular song that is very, very important to me. This is Daft Punk. Do you know Daft Punk that well? Do you guys know Daft Not Punk? Not super well, but... I know. You know. Do you? Yeah. Pretty well? No. This, this oh. my... <laughs> like two songs. Also, hello, Joel. Oh, hi. <laughs> I thought we had already gotten through that. We did a while ago. A couple years ago, we got through it. Night Vision. This oh. is just real chill. with a heartbeat this is real asmr yeah there is nothing to this song except this really yeah when is um when is your time to listen to this song it's when it's on my list my playlist which i have on the nose called chill Mm. um so it just pops up like it's great on a plane. Yeah. We love our plane music on this podcast. We really love it. We talk about our, our albums. Do you have a plane album? Do you get like anxiety when you're flying? I listen to a lot of like white noise. Mm. Like I have an app called Relax mm. where I just listen to white noise. And then I have those uh, these new Bose earbuds that really yes. flood your, probably are ruining my hearing, but flood me with sound. Oh, that's and nice. I, I do, I have I have ASMR. So I like to listen to a little tapping on wood. Really? Like little papers <laughs> rubbing together. I love tapping. I love papers rustling. I love this feeling, like the sound of like a hairbrush going through the do you, um, this is not, I, I, I don't think I have that connection um, with ASMR, but uh, the sound of tap shoes for me is like mm. the best. Does it put you to sleep? Like, does no. It you? Oh, it's you just, just love that, it. I like, I just love like you saying the tapping on wood, but it like, or like the right high heel on wood. Like oh, there's yeah, something yeah. like, it's like, it's not uh, anything like soothing it's just like especially the tap shoes i think i just i think i just like wearing tap shoes around the house even though i don't tap or dance but i i think it's like a childhood you very easily could tap is an easy dance to learn it require i mean it has technique but like it's a folk dance i once had a teacher who was like anyone could learn tap within a month it's a folk dance it's meant to be easy to learn that's cool and there was one person that had been taking a class for like a month a day (laughs) (laughs) except me This song is chill. It's I can't gone be, now. Is it even it was, gone? Yeah, yeah, okay. Was I was like, like I can't even hear it anymore. Yeah. I like this, this choice is like for you. This is like massage music. Yeah. This would put, I would put this on a sleep mix. Because I would definitely. This is a really good yeah. massage song. Listeners, we the three of us are all massaging each other right now. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. definitely mm. there. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, ease up, ease up, ease up. <laughs> I was being given a massage. This was months ago, and she pushed my wrist, and I was dozing, and I grabbed her <gasps> wrist oh, <no>. accidentally, <laughs> and I was in my head for the rest of the massage. Oh, no. And I, I at that time I thought I'm probably not gonna. This is probably gonna be my last time because I just didn't cost reasons. I didn't want to 
spend that much money anymore. But I changed my mind because of that. And I was, I want to have one more massage with her and, and never touch her like that just so she knows. <laughs> I bet you that I bet that happens weird in like weird ways all the time. Happens, I think it happens all the yeah. time. She reacted to it. She kind of <laughs> took my hand and squeezed or just kind of pressed it gently back into the the That's, mat. And yeah. I it wasn't like a grab, it was just sort of And you weren't it's not like you were like boob, you know, like <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. Well, she did have wrist boobs. <laughs> great great set of wrist boobs. I went I got a uh I've I've always wanted to have a foot massage. Mm. I've never actually had like a full, a real foot massage. And I went once and I swear to God, I went in, had uh, signed up for a foot massage. It was a massage with her feet on my fucking body. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was horrible and it was painful because I was like, my body's so sensitive Mm. and I- It said foot massage, but it was really, because that's I think Thai massage. It was was at a Thai place and I- But it said foot massage, but it was badly- Phrase, yes, yeah. And like, I went back and looked at it again. I was like, no, I'm right in this. Like there is nothing to allude to the fact that I am about to get walked. And I don't have an issue with feet. I don't give a shit, but like, my I did I all I wanted was something gentle and something where I knew like it was not gonna hurt me and then I'm too polite to go like please stop yeah. <laughs> this is horrible yeah so I got a foot massage <laughs> when did you know that it when they started taking off their shoes very early on I think when I was uh, oh uh, I will from the moment I put on a robe and I was like why do I need a robe on for this and then they had me lie down and I was like oh maybe it's just so I'm not like tense or anything like that or like and then uh, well the moment her foot touched my back I was like, Come on. is there a difference between like a proper foot massage and what's called reflexology or is that do you know I don't know uh, reflexology is a specific I think they tie into each other but reflexology is a specific kind of not to offend out there, pseudoscience-y thing of like, oh, these are the the points of your feet affect the different parts of your gotcha. body. Right. And it can intersect with massage. Like I feel right. like I've gotten massages where they'll be massaging my arch and be like, in reflexology, yeah, I, this yeah. connects to your butt. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, no, that's my butt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bring it on home to me by Sam Cooke. Let me introduce my songs. So- stop songsplaining. This is uh, song explaining by Sondheim. <laughs> I would watch that. I would go see that. Uh, Sounds like yeah, it's on this HBO. Is, uh, <laughs> Bring it on home to me by Sam Cooke. I feel like this is another one where I'm like, I can't believe it's taken me this long to do a Sam Cooke song, but I think it's because I've been just holding on to it. And I, I'm ready. I'm ready to put it out there. And I couldn't decide which song. Um, but this, this one. Oh, Joel is dancing. <laughs> wow. I just love Sam Cooke. I think his voice is one of the most beautiful voices mm-hmm. in existence. And um, Did he sing Cupid? Yeah. Oh. He's what a Cupid, song. and he's saying, um, you send me, and mm. just a, a million songs. A million songs. And, uh, yeah, I, do, are you guys fans? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This whole era of music, mm. this is made for, like, um, satellite radio. If a channel with just this music, mm-hmm. I'll be yeah. like, oh, I'll, I'll be fine. Yeah. Soul? Ish. I guess that's this era of But, yeah, soul. I know what you yeah. mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. generally, yeah, 60s. Early, yeah. 
see the documentary it's called the two killings of sam sam cook oh 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 that's is he the one that was killed in a hotel room yeah oh boy i want to see this. there was some shady oh, shit no. and, i didn't know that yeah and he was 33 what? when he died and it's uh, like i didn't I, know any of this it bums me out so he what he would have done he was like fighting the music industry mm-hmm. um and, and like trying to like um control his own music like all this stuff um but what i I can't even imagine like what he would have come up with if he had given had more time We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Hello, listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in. If you're digging this podcast, please, please, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review. Deborah and I love doing this show. And good reviews help us continue to bring fun guests and great albums to you. Special thanks to those of you who already have rated and reviewed. You know who you are. We know who you are. And we're looking forward to reading some new ones. And now, back to the program. Our guest, Rachel Bloom, is an actress, singer, songwriter, writer, and comedian hailing from Manhattan Beach, California. She created and starred in the TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and stars in the movie Most Likely to Murder. Rachel Bloom, thank you so Where's much for joining us. Where's that from? I wrote it. Oh, it's great. But no, it's, <laughs> no, it's it, good. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I always just piece it together from Wikipedia and people's no, websites and stuff. No, that's better than some bios that... Um, some reps have written for me, so it's very concise. <laughs> Feel free to, to take it if you want. Are, are you from Manhattan Beach? I am. When I it's great. Everything about that was false. Uh, no, I am. I'm from Manhattan Beach, California. I didn't know that. that I, I don't know about the truth of Manhattan Beach, but when I first moved here, I was driving. Uh, I lived in Orange at my grandmother's house. She wasn't there anymore, but I was living at her house in Orange. And I was just driving up the beaches just to see what everything was like. Manhattan seemed pretty cool to me. It's beautiful. So the shape of it is it's a picturesque beach community um when i grew up there was like middle class to upper middle class now is like posh posh upper posh. upper one percent class yeah. i think it, it's one of the um because it's it's i think they're starting to call the south bay silicon beach because a lot of stuff is moving oh, really? down to the south bay and el segundo on manhattan beach and stuff and so now like the average per capita in, income there is like insane um but but when i went there it was it was still like really Really rich, and but still had this, um, and still has this kind of laid back surfer culture, which is why I I never felt like I fit in there. Like I am yeah. so the opposite of that. Um, I'm actually more that now than I was growing up. But um, listener, she arrived with a surfboard. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> what's up? Where can I hang my wetsuit? Actually, the AD on one of our ads on Crazy X went surfing every other morning, and. I, he was in amazing shape and I never understood it. I've never That's, been surfing. I'm terrified. I'm terrified. I don't trust water to hold me up. 
No, I've, uh, I would love to surf. I think that would be the coolest thing in the world. I, I like the ocean a lot. That is, I can't think of any, I can think of a lot of things scarier. The odds, are, the odds are good that you're going to like slam your face down on the board at yeah. one point. Yeah. Oh, I'm more afraid of drowning. Like just fully oh, uh-huh. like being pulled under. Yeah, yeah that happens because too. Because I guess I never even got as far as the idea that I could stand up on a surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to that and then I'll start freaking out about that part. There was when I, so I went to a, a very good public school. There was surf PE. No so kidding? kids would get up at like six in the morning yeah. and go to surf PE. That's yeah, amazing. in retrospect, I should have taken advantage of it. Just like I should have taken advantage of the fact that I had free education for 18 years. Do you ever have, I have dreams now where I'm back in high school, but specifically because I go, oh my God, I had free education and I didn't take advantage of it. Now I'm back in my high school (laughs) and they don't know. It takes them a while in the dream for them to realize that I already graduated. But then I start failing because I realize that school's boring. Mm. Which tells you that it's okay that you didn't take advantage of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel guilty. But anyway. I have some of those thoughts. Yeah. I have some of those thoughts. Like I, I took physics and I fucked off and it's like, Why? You learned how the universe works. Yeah. Wow. Why did you fuck off? That was free. You have, it's part of it. It's of part course, of it. And it's the I same know. thing of like not taking the surf class. Like something in your gut was like, hell no. No. And also that. it's a whole cultural thing. Like the cool kids surfed yeah. and the uncool kids like me listened to show tunes. And yeah. I was just, I was a, with my family and myself, just a like an East Coaster. I just felt like a New Yorker. I always felt like I belonged on the East Coast, and I moved to the East Coast, and I was 100% right. Mm, yeah. And it's only in later years that I now feel like I more fit in with, with Southern California. But the surfer culture permeates everything there. Mm. And it's, like a great example is, I remember, because I did theater, of course, and I remember this one guy seeing the script for a play I was doing, and he went, wait. <laughs> you looked at all the lines I highlighted, he went, wait, so you like... You didn't have to do this. You like want to do this? <laughs> and I went, yeah. And he goes, why would you like do that to yourself? That's amazing. He just didn't get why I would create more work. And then we did Into the Woods. And I think that same person was like, so did you guys like write that? Like he didn't understand what theater was. Yes. He probably wow. now at this age is like, I should have taken a theater class. I guess so. You're right. Fucking blew it. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> nah, he's probably not. It's fine. <laughs> Okay, so... So, yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, what particular... Rachel Bloom, what particular album is very, very important to you? So this is uh, Assassins, uh, the original cast of Assassins by Stephen Sondheim. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know what's happening, this is a kind of fantastical musical, one would might say a pseudo-song cycle about the various... uh, real and attempted presidential assassins assassins throughout uh, American history. As you can see, this is the presidential theme, but fucked up, hey. Um, <laughs> so this is a really important album to me because this really, uh, this and probably the album Chicago bridged the gap between the frivolous parts of musical theater that I liked and my intellectual, my intellectual pursuit. <laughs> you should have inter- paid attention to physics, bro. Don't know what to do. I always loved musical theater. I only listened to show tunes. It was one of the many things that got me really made fun of in middle school. I was really an outcast. But then, uh, in eighth grade, um, we had a theater teacher in my middle school who. 
uh, he had been teaching a Shakespeare elective. And so you'd take this thing called the the wheel, which was like every trimester in my middle school, you'd go to a different kind of elective. And so he taught a version of the wheel where every trimester he would do a different Shakespeare play, like a truncated Shakespeare play. So, so, and everyone loved him as a teacher, and his name is Mr. Jim Amberg, and he still um, works in theater, and he lives in Oregon, and he's the best. And... So he made, he started to make theater cool in this beach community because everyone loved him and people started really to like the plays and suddenly the popular surfer kids were saying Shakespeare. So when I was in eighth grade, he started a musical theater class, year-round musical theater class. And I lost my mind because like this wasn't, happening there weren't yeah. musicals going on at my middle school I and you were already a big fan huge yeah. fan and okay. I was doing community theater but I'd have to find little pockets of doing community theater and and like it was not a mainstream pursuit um but eighth grade we did the musical and I was in middle school not only unpopular but I had also had um pretty serious what I now realize to be onset obsessive compulsive disorder so like not only was I made fun of but I also had like OCD that that made me very in my head and I imagine outwardly even weirder than middle schoolers usually are and kind of fed each other anyway so this musical theater class started and I don't know if it happened to correspond with the end of puberty and my hormones settling down or but whatever happened my life got better because of this musical theater class because suddenly all of the work that I'd been doing while people were busy having friends (laughs) like all of the work that I'm doing with acting and singing suddenly paid off because I was getting I got the lead in, in this play we had a uh, musical theater showcase uh, where I sang Little Girls from Annie and it was really good and suddenly the popular kids started to respect me mm. and they even started apologizing to me um, which was really cool because the year before they'd uh, full on as a joke paid the most popular kid in school to ask me out like as a prank real? That yeah, like, happens? like a bad That's movie real? yeah like a bad movie That's horrible. yeah yeah it was bad everybody's got the right to be different even though at times they go to extremes Aim for what you want a lot Everybody gets a shot Everybody's got the right to their dreams I think my connection to musical theater was very, like, escapist. I like musical theater. I was raised with it. My mom played piano. My My grandfather was, like, an amateur theater actor, and... I've just been listening to show tunes since I was little, and I liked the bouncy, happy, but kind of sexy escapism. And I got, as I got into school, uh, as I got into high school, I started to kind of want more out of it. And because what I, because there was a very light part of me that loved happy musicals, but then there was a very dark part of me that was like made fun of, had been dealing with some pretty bad mental illness, some really bad bullying, and so I loved like. Welcome to the dollhouse. Like, I started really liking dark shit because it mirrored how I felt inside and was so not what I saw outside of an open-air high school by the beach where everyone's super sunny and happy. And you're supposed to be happy. Yeah, and there's no neuroses, right? It's sunny all the time. Yeah. And so I started getting into, like, musicals that were darker, and it was like, this is who I am, this kind of weird clash of light and dark. Um, And then my junior year of high school, we did Into the Woods. Got the right to some sunshine. Everybody. Not the sun, but maybe one of its bees. Rich man, poor man, black or white. If your apple, take a bite. 
So when you when you do Sondheim, it's a whole other level of of you know learning songs, um, kind of script interpretation. It's it's dense, um, which is kind of what he's known for. And we had a music. Oh, there's going to be a gunshot, just as a warning. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was the, so thoughtful. In the you. song where they're talking about like how great it is to have a gun. Yeah. The first time the gunshot went off and that when she accidentally yes. fires, I was just uh, out walking my dog, listening to it in my earphones, and it, it like terrified me. It's really I was scary. not. <laughs> it, it gave me a good jump scare. Every now and then the country goes a little wrong. Every now and then a madman. So we got this music director in for the shows who who directed, he'd worked on the previous year, uh, he worked on when we did Little Shop, but he came into Into the Woods and it was kind of his baby. Basically, it was this guy, I'll call him Patrick because I don't want to mm-hmm. throw him under the bus, um, but anyone who knows me knows what I'm talking about. Uh, his <laughs> name is Patrick and Patrick was only about a year or two older than I was, but he was this like musical prodigy that... Uh, someone, basically the TA of the class knew because her daughter had done shows with him and he was from the San Gabriel Gabriel Valley, uh, which is where West Covina is, which is, as you'll hear, it's basically, spoiler alert, he's one of the reasons my show was set in West Covina. Because, so (laughs) basically what happened was, so he was this kind of musical prodigy that we brought in and Sondheim was his baby. Like, I remember like, even during Little Shop of Horrors, he was reading the recent Sondheim biography that had just come out. Johnny lived with the grace and glitter, kind of like the lives he lived on stage. Died in a barn in pain and bitter, 27 years of age. Why did you do it, Johnny? So, Into the Woods was kind of like for him to spread his musical director wings, and he was really only like 18 years old. Anyway, uh, I got the part of the witch. And which meant spending a lot of time alone with him, because our director, the actual director of the program, was a little um, not as present, like not as much there. So he was kind of the de facto director of the show, and I ended up spending time alone with him, and I fell head over heels in love with him. Mm, and the way right. that I did was from analyzing Sondheim. Mm. So he told me that Into the Woods was really based on this Bruno Bettelheim book, The Uses of Enchantment, and I bought it, and I started underlining and highlighting, and I still have this copy, and I brought it, and I went, this is all the stuff I've been highlighting, and he's like, oh my God, I can't believe you bought that book. (laughs) And so I started to get really into Sondheim because he was in love with Sondheim, and and we started talking about the symbolism of Into the Woods and the symbolism of assassins, and this is what musically he's doing here, and in Into the Woods it goes, I mean, we really should have done Into the Woods, but (laughs) in Into the Woods it goes, um, um, there's this bean theme where it goes do 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 do, and then later it goes people make mistakes, which is the basically the inverse of that. Just nerdy music shit like sure. that. And so I bought Assassins, and I was like, my mind was blown because not only did I love it, so it was another thing I could talk about with Patrick, but it was um, also like another dark musical that that was way darker even than Chicago or Cabaret. Yeah. This is about like murdering people and this is around the time I also started to get very political I'd recently watched Bowling for Columbine and I'll do it for anybody uh, it's gonna do it for it's you. gonna do it for you That's so it. I got really really like left wing around this time and I had just done a project in English class where we 
we had to make a playlist for a book. I had a really cool English teacher. And so I did Michael Moore's uh, Whose Country Is This Anyway? <laughs> and I made a playlist of all political show tunes for it. Amazing. Um, so I was like trying to like marry the very intellectual parts of my mind and political parts with like mostly frivolous musical theater to do in my yeah. own. Yeah. So I just really like fell in love with this album and I fell in love with because like I could also I had uh, what I now realize it is mm, kind of depression <laughs> general like mood fluctuations <laughs> yeah. and so like this I could get home and I could play this and fucking get angry what part are we at now let's see oh yeah so like I could like USA like like John Wilkes Booth being like I'm gonna kill Lincoln like it's an angry fucking album but also it was another way for me to get close to this guy and be like oh my god I've been listening to a lot of assassins he's like oh my god like I remember him being like oh when those first notes come on it's such a way for me to release my anger and I was like fuck yeah I love this (laughs) but that is I feel like that's how I got into I feel like the same with you like so many passions that I've had and so many things have been because I'm like, yeah, this guy's into it. Yes. Like, I'm not pr- like super proud of it, but how, you know, it's that or through friends. There's this book that I read called Unrequited, which is all a a book just about unrequited love, especially from a woman's point of view, and how, like... Anyway, it's written by a therapist who Hmm. did at one point, like, stalk her ex-boyfriend, and and she says that, like, a lot of times when we become completely obsessed or consumed with someone, it's aspirational. Mm -hmm. It's they're a person that you want to be. And in this case in high school, it was so true, and so, like, it makes sense that you would glean some really good things from having a crush, because... It is aspirational. They're where you are. They're the type of person you want to be. Or you just kind of want to like bathe yourself in everything about that person. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Never. 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 No. The country is not what it was. Damn my soul, if you must Let my body turn to dust Let it mingle with the ashes of the country Let them curse me to hell Leave it to history to tell What I did, I did well And I did it for my country Let them cry, dirty traitor They will understand it later The first time you heard this was just the recording of it. Had you? Did you see it first or did you... No, it was the recording it? and, you know, I'm re- remembering, I think... It was a birthday present. Yep, there we go. Another gunshot. There's going to be a lot of gunshots. Uh, No one really stabs a president to death or runs them over with a car. Everyone just shoots them in the head. Um, It was either given to me 
by my friend Natasha or my friend Brendan because I was doing Into the Woods at the time. And they were like, you haven't heard Assassins yet. You have to listen to it. And I became obsessed with it. And uh, you know what? The only time I've seen Assassins is from a um, bootleg DVD of the revival that my friend Brendan gave me. Really? Of, of the Broadway revival. So I've Ooh. actually never seen it live. Well, we have I... a surprise for you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Victor Garber, you're here. <laughs> places, everybody. Places. <laughs> I, I was not familiar with it before you picked it, but I enjoyed it a lot. It was, I liked it more than I thought I would. I like musical theater. I'm not a humongous musical theater fan. Like, I like the ones I like, if that makes sense. I think when musical theater is good, people like it. Yeah. And a lot of it's bad. Or a lot of it is very dated because the golden age was the 50s through the 70s. That's fair, yeah. So when you ask people to like musical theater, you're asking them a lot of times to either like something that you have to have already kind of loved musical since you were a kid to appreciate or something that's just like dated. Yeah. I mean, that's why Hamilton was such a success is because it's a good show and it's a good album written with a modern sensibility mm -hmm. and it was a good gateway into musical theater. Yeah. That's, yeah. Was, was there, I'm, I'm just so, I think that's so cool that you got a class devoted to the thing that you loved more than anything yeah. in yeah. high school. What a I'm trying to think of what that class would have been. It I might never, have been I just, didn't know what it was for me until maybe comedy. Oh, cool. mine would be puppies. <laughs> Puppy class? <laughs> yeah, it would be like, uh, you get to come them. in, you have like a, an hour to play with puppies and take care of them. <laughs> but and then what you a great go. fucking class. That'd like, be great. Yeah. I would love, that's the class I want to take. <laughs> I recently read a book, not to brag, mm, talking about so the future of education and, and how it should be much more about how to learn and mm. learning on your feet now because by the time you learn, if you're learning coding, that might all change in 10 years. Yeah. And we all have to start learning to like, reinvent ourselves because technology is moving so so quickly so a class where you learn about puppies and take care of puppies that teaches you generally how to learn and how do you care yeah. for something might be more useful it's than way this more is useful. cursive yeah this is everyone giving testimony on how they saved a guy tried to shoot fdr i don't know if i ever knew really? that and then killed the mayor instead killed uh, mayor cermak of chicago giuseppe zangara an, an, an immigrant was he an anarchist or something? Uh, no, he was an immigrant who uh, had chronic stomach problems and somehow blamed them on... FDR? On FDR. Wow. It is fascinating, the fixation that comes mm -hmm. with targets. Yeah. yeah. In that way. Like, that's... It, it, to blame... I, I guess I can see, like, looking to the president to blame things who the person who's supposed to fix things, but, like... It's it's, it is crazy. Well, and the whole purpose of this show and the reason I loved it because it's thematically advanced but also like simple enough for a 
17, a 16, 17 year old to understand is it's the fucked up of the American dream. The whole, yeah. the, the theme, the thematic statement of the show is everybody's got the right to be happy. Mm-hmm. And that's what we teach you in America. Hold Follow tight your to dreams. your dreams. Yeah. Anyone can do this. And that's why the gun song, which will be coming up is like, anyone, all you have to do is move your little finger. You can change the world. Mm-hmm. And cause that's what we're taught. You can change the world. You, you can, you know, yeah. you can be the change you see in the world. And these people who went to assassinate presidents Took it to an extreme. Basically bought into the idea of the American dream. And so the I think the struggle of the show is is do we blame them or do we blame the American dream itself? Which mm. overlapped with my curriculum of the Great Gatsby junior yeah. year. So <laughs> maybe we can't have it all? No. <laughs> well, and these people are very American and they're saying this is how I saved F. FDR it's yeah it's them telling the story of like I single-handedly did this I single-handedly did that You know, looking looking back when I was in high school, I I had huge dreams as like like uh, that sort of um, yearn to be an artist to to affect things to make a change in this world. Um, so I can completely relate to just wanting to make an impact on the world yeah. that would affect things. And it's about this is about feeling powerless. Yeah. Where I don't have control, but you know what I have control over is I can buy a gun and yeah. literally become the most important person That's in the world. And when you're in high school, I mean, you feel very powerless. And this was really, I also listened to this. I mean, Columbine had happened, but this was obviously very, very pre, pre, pre all the school shootings. I think it would be a very different listening experience for a high schooler now. Yeah. Um, it was, even just listening to that that one song was like yeah like it, i don't it, it did like hit me in a way with what gun violence is right now and just the simplicity of like yeah just twitch your finger it's po- it's powerlessness i, I can I, gain I, I can gain power with this yeah. thing and i've that's i've been really kind of it's not obsessed but so this is such an easy take but tr- ex- trying to explain trolls mm. on the internet and i oh. i thought it's just because they feel like they don't have any power, and this yeah. is their the easiest way to feel like they do. Uh, yeah. It's lower stakes. No one's getting killed, but it it's makes mean. a lot of sense. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's it all comes from yeah, yeah. It's the taking status through yeah. cruelty. Yeah. If you're yeah. trolling on the internet, you're hot take. You're probably very unhappy. Yeah. yeah. And what amazing power to tweet something at like a celebrity and have them then like respond to you. Yeah. What a to rub, know that you like, hurt their rush. feelings or to know that you yeah. like affected yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, um, I'm assuming we're all probably on similar pages about guns mm-hmm. and uh, gun ownership. And yeah, stuff, I mean, I have s- about 16. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, so nice. that's what I mean. But Someone's ahead of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah. the guns here, they're all over the walls. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, they're forming the shape of a heart. Weirdly, the actors some are leaning on them. Yeah, no, I, 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 it's easy for me as like 
a liberal secular Jew who's only ever lived in Southern California, New York City to say, I don't get the gun thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just not <laughs> part of my culture. I'm not anti-Second Amendment. I'm not anti-handgun like I think a lot of people in the debate last night. We were just watching the debate. I'm sorry for the dated reference at this point when you listen to this. But now that yeah, Elizabeth Warren is actually president, this is crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> a year early <laughs> yeah. she was so good they were like get her in there uh yeah like you know yeah keep your handguns or just I, why why the assault rifle thing what what That's really great gun. Shit, where is it? No, it's really great. Wait, shit, where is it? Anyway, it's just a 38. But it's a gun. You can make a statement wrong with a gun. Even if you fail, it tells them who you are, where you stand. This one was on sale. It no not the shoe. Well, actually, the shoe was too. No, that's not a shit. I had it there. Got it. I never want to own a gun, but I was like, I think I would like shooting a gun. I think it would feel, I think it would feel powerful and cool. And uh, Alex and I went to the the gun range downtown mm. in LA um, and it's an indoor gun range. And I was like, I was very excited because I was like, I actually think I'll be good at this too. Um, and I fired it once and it, I burst into tears <gasps> and we had to leave because it started to give me a panic attack. Because there was also somebody in the next stall that was shooting like a Dirty Harry style gun that was like so loud. We were wearing the headphones and stuff, but it was like, it was so scary to me. And it it had such a physical effect that we had we had to leave. Oh my God. And I can't, I like, I would still be like curious to try it in like an open air space area, but I don't, I think my physical reaction to it, like the actual way it felt firing, like it was bad. It was bad for me. And it's like, I don't want to shoot a gun again. Does it hurt? It didn't feel good. Like, and it didn't this like, is the most, like, this my... is like a conservative. <laughs> Sorry, this is like literally a conservative doing impression of liberal of like, I fired a gun once and I cried and me saying, does it hurt? Like, I realize we're a sketch right now. I just have to point that out. Oh, well, I mean, I can tell you about the therapy I needed. Oh, does it hurt? Did you put some quinoa on The acupuncture you class. And then I saw a healer. <laughs> and surf the rest of the day away. Gregor, my husband wanted at one point to get a gun for the apocalypse because his because we live in Southern California and there's going to be a big earthquake, civilization is going to collapse, which I keep telling everybody and no one listens to me. Because did you grow up here? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wait, where'd you grow up? Uh, here, like in L.A. and Hollywood. Okay, so did you you were here during Northridge? Uh-huh. Yeah. So was so you fear that earthquake and yeah, you start to think my parents took me to see the Northridge damage Did they? which I have on video yeah and when you see a mattress out of a window and you see every brick building 
like completely collapsed, yeah. you start to think about, okay, I want to live in a house or apartment building that's retrofitted. So I tell all my friends basic earthquake safety because they're all from the East Coast. So just so anyone's listening, earthquake safety. If you live in Southern, if you live in California, well, really anywhere on the West Coast, yeah. really should be anywhere. Yeah. But don't sleep uh, with your head under a window. That's how mm-hmm. a lot of injuries happen, broken glass. Don't sleep with anything heavy over your bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, st- if it happens when you're asleep, stay in bed. Um, that's changed. I know, yeah, but because right? you just shouldn't be running around yeah. trying to find the kind of you three doorway. Yeah, the yeah. doorway thing is kind of you just don't run around yeah. in an earthquake. Um, and then there was a whole article in LA Weekly years ago about the types of houses. So you don't want to live in an apartment building. Basically, anything built between the fifties and the seventies is the is the shoddiest workmanship because mm. it was in the post war boom. Uh, and so those things where you have kind of a very very thin beams holding up the apartment building over an outdoor parking lot, that's yeah. really yes. bad. And yeah. Really, there's a lot of those. Those will snap. Block here, snap like twigs. A lot of those hillside houses are gone. Yeah, absolutely gone which is why like i live in the fucking flats like i don't care about prestige or whatever uh anything else oh get down stop dropping go, no no that's a fire get down, get under a get, desk grab a grab the desk leg and cover your neck right we'll be close to it's like if you can be next to your bed your best place is like next to your bed next to mm-hmm. if something heavy oh, falls where something else can block it. it so like right it wouldn't necessarily be under this table it would be like i don't know like under, you want to get away from the anything that's like heavy that can fall on you. Right. I feel like uh, I think like oh, did was it Elias did a a whole like podcast series or KPCC or I've something. I've been listening whole, to it like, called the big one. Yeah. yeah. I can't listen. I won't do it. It's actually pretty practical and hopeful. Okay. Because the the last episode is so the first episode is what the big one would be like now. Yeah. The second one is like what the big one would be like if we actually implement prop, proper earthquake mm-hmm. safety measures, mm-hmm. which is a fantasy, but Big it leaves you on kind yeah. of a hopeful Everyone note. Everyone gets like a slide. Everyone yeah. immediately slides. Yeah. Everyone like actually just gets a slide apropos of nothing. That'd be amazing. No, there's like an early warning system that'll beep on your phone yeah. that tells you like 20 seconds until an earthquake. Um, there's a... a uh, you have an earthquake kit. You already have a designated meeting place, which yeah. should just be your house. I think it theoretically. Is, yeah. yeah. I think my, at one point we'd said UCB, but then we were like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it depends on where you are in respect to your house. Like if it's easier to get to, but if you just don't know, so you have to have one meeting place. I'm just going to meet at the house. Oh. Well, this is unworthy of your love. So oh, yes. this is the love the, song of Assassin, okay. sung by Squeaky From, who yeah. tried to kill Ronald Reagan. Um, Ford. It was Ford. I'm sorry. And um, uh, Mark Mark David Chapman, David Chapman who, yeah. who tried to kill Reagan because he's obsessed with Jodie Foster. <laughs> so is, both of them are are maddeningly in love. So this song is how I felt about that guy. So I would sing this song and like imagine that we were singing. I don't know. Like when she's like she goes like fucked up. She goes like I would come. I would crawl belly deep. I would. Let's see what she says. Hold on. Charlie, take my blood and my body for your love. Let me feel fire. Let me drink poison. Tell me to tear my heart in two. If that's what you want me to do, I am unworthy of your love, Charlie. Done 
it's so self-hating and self-flagellating. And, and at the end yeah. of it on stage, she carves um, swastika under her forehead. I, pay, always, I just imagine that happening. Yeah, it's like, really, it's really. Without knowing that was ever going to happen, that's how I always pictured it ending. <laughs> <laughs> so I would like sing this because this is how obsessive love felt and still feels. And I know that musicals now, are so good for obsessive love. They're so too. good, they're be- so good because for they glorify obsessive yeah. love without mm-hmm. saying this is wrong, which is also all of Western art and culture. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever like it says like I'm obsessed, therefore it must be something holy. Very few things are like you're obsessed. Calm down. It's yeah. your body, <laughs> yeah. lizard brain trying to reproduce. It's con- it's not conducive to what's going to make you happy. I'll find a way to learn your love. Wait and see. Then you will turn your love to me. You. So we like got closer and closer. I had a boyfriend at the time technically, but like this guy Patrick and I, you know, he was a teacher, but I just want to say like teacher for hire didn't officially teach at the school. I was at that point 17 and he was 18 and a half or whatever. Um, so we kissed for the first time at the cast party of Into the Woods. Oh my God. And then we started uh, hooking up in his van <laughs> um, around town. Let's just, let's just say it's Patrick Stewart. Yeah, it's right? Patrick Stewart. We started hooking up his van around town. Um, he was the first guy to see my tits. Um, Engage. And then he, uh, and then he basically was on. He was a drummer by trade, in addition to being a music director of and a brilliant pianist and singer. Mm. He was a drummer. Of course he was he a drummer. He went on tour with um, a, actually a pretty well-known music artist. I won't say who it is, but he. I don't know why. I don't. That's it okay. doesn't. It's fine. It he went on tour. Uh, went to Japan and came back from Japan and like. When he went to Japan, he was like, when I get back, like, I like, I want to make you my girlfriend. Like, the show's over now. Like, we can make this work. I can, like, drive in. Like, I can. Oh and God. I didn't, you like, have sleep a, in his van if you needed yeah. to. And so he got back um, from Japan. And, like, he didn't call me the whole time he was in Japan. And meanwhile, I was in Oliver, a community theater production of Oliver, where I played Nancy, where she sings a song called As Long As He Needs Me, because she's yeah. in a, mm-hmm. a physically abusive relationship. Yep. And every night I sang that song, I just thought of Patrick. Mm. Uh, and he came back and said to me in his van, um, I've changed a lot. Oh my God. Um, and I don't this want, guy. I don't want to, you don't want, I'm not ready for a relationship, but I'm still physically attracted to you. So oh. can we still hook up? So we'd occasionally make out. Nothing further really happened. Good we'd for occasionally you. make out. Good well, no, not, no, no, it's not for nothing my... further going happening. I'd say good for you. Well, he tried to undo my pants. I remember. And I was like, Oh, I haven't done this before, and he's like, you know what? Let's keep, let's keep it like. No I respect you. He said too like much. no strings. Again, this guy's like a year and a half older yeah. than that. But I found out later he'd done a ton of drugs, and that's like really what it was. Um, I learned in Japan how to unbutton pants. Yeah, it was because uh, uh, streaming and musical theater are like they're monsters. They're fucking monsters because they're unicorns. Um, they've been, you know, accused 
their whole lives of like, are you sure you like women? So they feel like they have something to prove. Yeah. Um, yeah. And their intelligence and their talent makes them fucking sexy and they get away with a lot. And this guy especially was quite smart um, and knew he was smart, which a lot of guys in musical theater do. Um, so then he, but then, so like then it was this weird thing where like I got another boyfriend, but like, I was still in love with him, and then he came back to fucking musically direct my fucking senior year production, which he shouldn't have fucking done. Mm. Agreed. Ugh. That's a real piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. That's a real I've piece of told shit. him later how much it fucked me up, and he's like, I had no idea that you were in love with me, and I was like, really though, dude? And then in college, I went to NYU, and he was on tour with another band, and he was he started like hitting on me again when I was in college and I was still kind of in love with him and he was going to come to New York and I was going to lose my virginity to him and then he it didn't it didn't quite happen and it was awful and that man's name was Dan Greger (laughs) oh it wasn't Patrick Stewart I am going to the Lordy I am so glad I am going to the Lordy. I this one felt like it had nice hooks with each one. Well, because this is a pastiche, so this is rooted in a classic sounding song. And that's also why I love Assassins is, um, I mean, it's the same reason I loop it in with like Chicago and Cabarets because like it's these old styles that make you feel good, but like dark versions. Yeah. So this is like... Based on, in real life, Charles Gateau, who assassinated Garfield, really did a cakewalk, which was the big dance of the time, walking up his execution steps. So this is a literal cakewalk. So it's very kind of repetitive and catchy in the way a pop song of 190-something would be. Yeah. Said nothing to it, I want it, I'll do it, I'm Charles J. Charlie. This song always reminds me of... um. My best friend Brendan, uh, who is the one who gave me the bootleg of Assassins and then later directed it in his own high school, I his the singer this guy who sings guitar in this sounds like Brendan and I always pictured me singing the like said nothing to it I want it I'll do it me doing that part and him playing guitar. I I'm, I really do listen to musicals and just imagine myself in them, which I think we all do. I yeah. think so. When you guys listen to songs, how much of it is just listening to the song and how much of it is imagining you performing the song or in the song or dancing to the song? Yeah, I'm always doing that. Yeah, not very much for me. I think. Maybe dancing, like if it's in a place where I can be dancing, like yeah, but not. I don't imagine myself doing that. Let them in prayer. Said I killed Garfield. I'll make no denial. I was just acting for. I, I was actually thinking about this, and this is like kind of tangential. That how envious I am that you can listen to a musical and sing along with it nicely, mm-hmm. like and have it sound good, both of you guys. And I have to do it privately. Like, it's not, uh, and I don't mean this, like, there's no, like, shame or anything. It's just, like, I don't have a good voice, and I wish I did. That's the, like, I really wish I did. Have you tried to take singing lessons or anything When I was a kid, I was into musical theater and stuff. I did. I sang (laughs) tits and asses at a, (laughs) to get into course. I was a very slow developer, like, uh, not shy, but just very, like, um, just, uh, what's the word? I was, like, a... I can't, there's like, I was just, everybody else was like, wanted to shop and I was like, still young. 
I was, oh. I was young. Everyone else wanted to shop? Yeah. What's the <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I heard, too. I did say you that. You mean like, like you weren't... A late bloomer. Late bloomer. Oh, no, 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 got it. a late yeah. bloomer. Sorry. Everyone wanted to shop. Got it. Yeah. They had the zits and the... Yeah. yeah. And like had, and like liked boys and stuff. And I was like... I was a late bloomer with that stuff. So I was in seventh grade auditioning at my all-girls school to get into chorus. And I sang... It was just me and the music director. And I sang tits and ass. <laughs> wow. Because I thought that's... Because it sounded like it, not range. the not the words, the range fit well. <laughs> was it good? Did you get in? No, uh, I think I did get in, but I think everybody got in. I don't Didn't even I know why there was. You changed it to bits and sass. <laughs> <laughs> they almost changed it to this and that in my high school oh, really? here before this I was in high school, and then like the last minute, the principal was like, "Okay, you can do tits and ass." Whoa, and like, we're liberal. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but I, do, I wish I pictured myself doing that stuff. I don't like, sing I just, along because I like the fantasy to be full. And I don't need to hear my own voice. I don't like... I like the sound of my singing voice, but I don't... There's like a type of musical theater person who's like, I always need to be singing! And I'm just not... I I just... Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I don't know. I, I think I... Because I love singing. Like I do... Like if I'm driving somewhere Good. by myself, like I... Mm-hmm. Unless I'm listening to like the news or something like I'm singing along it's healthy to to sing singing is not reserved for just the people who like have musical theater voices like it's it's a part of human nature music is a part of us I tell this because my husband hates singing I mean he's scared of singing he's scared of rhythm he's scared of music despite the fact who he's married to and I'm like (laughs) clearly someone said you had a bad voice at one point when you were five but this is not, music is not for everyone else. It's, it's for you, too. Yeah. And then we talked about starting a two-person klezmer band, but he'd have <laughs> to learn accordion. And he's like, I just, the odds of me learning accordion are so slim. I'm like, well, you could do it. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be amazing if you guys did that. Because I, I want to learn violin. Mm. And cool. even though I really should get better at piano, because my piano skills for how long I've been playing piano fucking suck. That's what uh, Joel and I were saying before you got here. Mm. I knew it. Thank yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, but I really, uh, I'd like to have a klezmer band. You Great and a music. lot of my family. I'll introduce you to Are people. you Jewish? I am. I'm a Sephardic Jew. I didn't know that. Oh my God, I feel so Jewish. Well, you know when you find out someone's Jewish? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. The way so- you described yourself with the earthquake stuff where you're like, I'm a Jewish woman from LA, da 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 yeah. Everything I checked off to except lived in New York. Where, wait, so Sephardic from... From Spain or where? Just from, from like Spain. fucking Spain. From fucking Spain. Wow, that's Spain, so cool. And then um, my uh, that's all on my dad's side. And then my mom's side, my grandfather is was from Iran. Um, so also Sephardic on that side. Were you bat mitzvah? I was. I was oh, not. I was. Really? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, not super late. authentic. It's not too late. I know, I thought about it. Part of what the reason <laughs> I think well, about... we've got a surprise <laughs> for you. <laughs> oh my God, Victor Garber! <laughs> Rabbi Garber to you. <laughs> oh my God. No, but part of the reason I write about being Jewish so much is, is it's one of the ways I explained why I was different growing up in Southern California, but then also I've been with... My husband was raised very Jewish. He was raised kind of what he calls conservadox. Yeah. And so went to Jewish school until eighth grade, kept kosher, wasn't allowed to celebrate Halloween, uh, prayed every day. Like, so that has made me feel more Jewish. But I know that Sephardim, he always likes going to Sephardic Passover seders because you get to have rice. That's that's the Persian part. That's they get to have rice on my... 
the other side, we don't have rice. Yeah, so my in-laws really like going to their friend's Passover Seder, who are Sephardic, because it gives them the excuse to eat rice. That's mm. so funny. We all, I, I do like the food much better on the Sephardic side. Oh, it's yeah. real good. Yeah, you it's remember like you mentioning that before. It's yeah. like really it sounds great. good. Mm. Oh, it's so good. I want to go. I know. Oh, well, we, we should have it. a little Seder. Can you do it? Let's do it. Have you been to Friedman's? Oh, no, but I keep wanting to go. I know that's, like, your place. It's my place. Yes. Well, I've seen you post about it yeah. and stuff. And, like, both. We basically live there now. I it's love a, that. For anyone visiting Los Angeles, it's a nouveau Jew cuisine restaurant. Would you say, I'm going back to Oh, yeah, we should go back to this musical. Are, is this your favorite musical? Is this my favorite musical? Uh, it's up there. I... It's such a like, it's a great show. It's such a weird show. It's it's very nonlinear. A lot of these historical characters are interacting in kind of like a a way that isn't like it's plot adjacent, but really it's it's a collection of scenes into a collection of songs. Yeah. So it's but it's up there. Um, yeah, I'll say it's my favorite music. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what are the other two? Um, <laughs> that's good. Yeah. I mean, I. I not to be fucking basic, but like Hamilton's fucking great. Like it's really good. Um, I still haven't seen it. It's quite same here. Good. I need to see it, and I do. I I'm just I afraid of those can't. ticket prices. Yeah, I know. Now, now with a kid, it's a, a thousand mm. times harder. But like when we would go to New York, yeah. that was always like a nice <laughs> yeah, excuse to go. I guess the last one I saw, and I hadn't seen it before, was Book of Mormon, and I loved it. Oh, that's so good. It's so good, right? It's amazing. I did Um, see that one. I mean, I think my top ones are like um, uh, uh, Assassin's, Chicago's great. Mm. I just think the way it's it's kind of this seamless, because it's this, it's a collection of Broadway vignettes, but tells this kind of overarching story, and is also satirical. I love Chicago. Um, Have you seen... uh, do you love the movie too? I love the movie. I love it. Yeah. I, I like, I really love it. And it was the only thing that I think honestly kind of improved on the source material. Mm. I think that it was one of the few movies that I think is arguably as good, if not better than the Broadway show. Um, yeah. Ha- Hamilton. And then I mean, it's, it's all, it's, it's so primal for me. It's, because there are shows that I don't love that there are songs I love or there are sure. shows that I've loved for so long that like objectively I could say there are problems with them but I also love them I mean I love um, this show The Wild Party by Michael John Lacusa I don't know it um, it's so great I mean I, I do think if you cut 15 minutes out of it it would be a literal perfect musical a mm. um, little bit shaggy do you, ha- do you have a dream do you have a dream one that you'd be in um, Our dream role. Probably, I mean, any really anything in Assassins, male or female. Um, I think some of the male roles are, they're still better in musical theater. They're, the female roles still haven't evened out. And Sondheim has made a dent in that. But I think there's nowhere, I don't think the male gaze is anywhere like more palpable than musical theater, actually. Mm. Because it is so overwhelmingly male. And... Um, a lot of the songs I liked uh, as a kid, they are strong female songs, but like you can just tell a dude's writing them and like it just sometimes is more Sondheim writes women very well. I mean incredibly, incredibly well. So that's actually an exception. But um So a lot of those roles are are 
I, I like I would like to play male roles. I mean, I always say yeah. Harold Hill and the Music Man, but I would love to play Dot in Sunday oh in the Park God. with George. I'd love to play Squeaky and Assassins. I would love to play um, Mama Rose and Gypsy. I uh, uh, yeah. Are there? We've talked over everything practically. Uh, is there one that we you want to point out, like a favorite that we haven't really talked about on on this album? Yeah. Boy, there's a lot of dialogue in this one. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's They basically, to give you context, put the whole scene on the album. Gotcha. Which is why I couldn't recognize it, because I'm never like, yeah, I want to rock out to this scene. Yeah. <laughs> I think the gun song is amazing in Assassins. It's really, we already listened to it, but it's it's amazing. So this is sung by uh, Leon Cholgosh, who uh, assassinated McKinley. It takes a lot of men to make a gun. Hundreds, many men to make a gun. Men in the mines to dig the iron. Men in the and he was influenced by the anarchist, communist anarchist Emma Goldman, and really was one of those assassins who had like a cause. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, a, so all you have to do is move your little finger. It's about you can change the world. It's such a good song. Move your little finger and you can change the world. Why should you be blue when you've your little finger? Prove how just a little finger can change the world. What a wonder is I like this musical because it has some very complex. Uh, themes and also political arguments of uh, what is the American dream? Are these, you know, kind of um, heroifying villains, I think is very yeah. interesting. With general political theater, I don't like stuff that's just like mindlessly liberal because you're, chances are you're doing it in New York City. Mm-hmm. You're just preaching to the choir. So I think that I, it takes something. Um, it take political comedy. I think takes a lot of skill, I and mean, obviously, it's different if you're doing something that's very, very like pro gun control or pro abortion, and you're somewhere like you know a red part of the South, right? right. That the context is kind of everything. Of course, but like, yeah. I just I got a little tired of being in school and hearing people ha- make like politically aware stuff that just wasn't saying anything revolutionary to the people watching it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just isn't. It isn't radical or subversive to to say something that everyone's going to cheer and already believes. And, yeah. and yeah. Uh, I try to always. And this is like a very female thing, and also a very like people pleasing thing. I try to picture like the other side. I try to picture like, okay, is this if a conservative person or, or anyone who didn't believe in this were listening to it, would this make a valid case? Yeah, because that's I think what the ultimate goal of art or political art is, or any art is to make a case for something the person hadn't considered. And so if you're just kind of saying the thing that you just want to kind of get like applause and snaps from mm-hmm. everyone who agrees with you, I'm not particularly interested in that. Yeah. Right. And I think, I mean, it's just, this is obvious because of the subject matter, but it's such a dangerous musical to make, or just it's so risky. Yeah. Um, as a shot rings out in my ears. But like to actually get 
to choose to make a musical about this, I think, is really courageous. And to, sh- to not just demonize them. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Because yeah. I've been noticing this lately, and it, I, I can't tell if it's like these stories need to be told or whatever, but like there's a slew of movies of just about these like terrible men. Like there's a Roger Ailes movie coming out, mm. and there was like Paterno and the and Vice and all these movies about these fucking pieces of shit men, and that that don't celebrate them, but there's still movies being made about them and their stories, and to and it it feels easy. They mm. don't elevate the ba- debate at yeah. all. They don't I- illuminate anything. Exactly. Like yeah. do and so I go back and forth where I'm like, do Why I do you feel like this demands to be made? Yeah. To be made. Yeah. I think and I know that's a with high all bar. of those though. Like and that's why I think Assassins is different though. Like there is something there's an interesting take on it <laughs> and it doesn't even though it is controversial, it doesn't feel it does allow you to see a little bit. I don't even know if it's like their perspective, really, because it's such historical fiction in there, and a lot like. Although I believe all the uh, Oswald stuff. Yeah, I mean Sondheim. Oh, that he really saw all of the murderers. All of the murderers him. came forward and stopped him from committing suicide. I mean, I think that what uh, Sondheim is that's was great bullet. at doing is taking a very kind of like <laughs> not cheery art form because there are obviously some dramatic musicals before him, but um uh. Uh, an unnuanced art form at, at times and bringing a modern uh, darkness and kind of inward looking uh, self-hatred to things and I mean Sondheim as a person is known to like hate himself he's I mean I for, from various people who know him he's a very difficult person to know and to be friends with um uh his mother was severely mentally ill, um, said to him, like, my one regret in life is giving you birth or whatever, which is why he really is Ugh. is good at writing um, a controlling and, like, very flawed women, but understanding where they're coming from, because it's his mother. That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, but, like, my friend recognized him at a play many years ago and was like, oh, my God, you're Stephen Sondheim. And he went, yeah, you want a fucking cookie? He was like a fucking asshole. Jesus <laughs> Um, yes, I do want a cookie. If Sondheim was working at the <laughs> Do you want a cookie? No, refreshments. I'm Aww. <laughs> Poor guy. Who'd want to kill a man of goodwill like I did I went to the Tonys a couple of years ago and I wore a shirt of Sondheim smoking a joint because everyone thinks Sondheim's God. Like people literally talk about him in musical theater now, like he's God. And but like he's a like an alcoholic stoner. <laughs> he's he's like he 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 is, and no one ever talks about that's what he is it's it's all this deification of oh but no he's an alcoholic he's a self-hating alcoholic stoner and so i wore the shirt of him smoking a blunt and i was at the t- post tony party and i ran into some people who knew him they were like oh uh, i think steve might like that shirt and i was like really like i would love to smoke a joint with steven sondheim and they went that's very possible and they had emailed me and and they were like oh we're gonna t- show steve your shirt and i was like do me a favor if he doesn't like the shirt literally just never email me back and they never even. Oh no! Now it was right around the time Neil Patrick Harris shaded me, and so I think maybe it was everyone just got distracted because there was this whole thing where Neil Patrick Harris shaded me. Um, that happened at the Tony Awards. It was kind of the big talk of the Tony Awards a couple years ago. I, think um, I remember that. I, uh, I think I do. Yeah, remember yeah, that. yeah. Uh, but anyway, I, so I I live in a little bit of fear that Sondheim didn't like my shirt. Which I get it, but also you're a stoner. Come on, like you, you've written about being a stoner. Also, have a little, have a sense of humor. Yeah, but also he doesn't. uh, He seems to not like himself. So yeah, Yeah. 
I just want to give him a hug. That's fair. Maybe he's the an, angle he's is He's like wrong. a 90-year-old. Yeah. He's he's a 90-year-old like genius. He does not need me to give him a hug. And never meet your heroes. <laughs> you know what? I did meet Michael John Lacusa, who wrote that show, show, The Wild Party, that I talked about. And I directed that show in college. That's how much I love it. And he loves Crazy X and loves my work. And we fucking had a love fest. And it was one of the most gratifying things that's ever meet happened. Meet your heroes. Meet a hero. It was actually <laughs> unbelievable. So anyone out there, Michael John Lacusa... What a gem of a man. Take my blood and my well, we should go into... Uh, uh, yeah, a segment that I forgot to tell you about. That's called What Did We Learn Today? Oh. Where um, we just go around and we say something we learned. It could be something you learned about Joel or I, something about the musical, something about yourself. It can be so basic. It can be that uh, you didn't know I was from L.A. or I whatever. Didn't, I didn't know that you were... Um, Sep- I didn't know Deborah was a Sephardic Jew. Mm. I didn't know just stay in your bed or, bed or stay just on the side of it during oh. an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I also learned that John Lacusa... Michael John Lacusa. Michael John Lacusa is a wonderful guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like hearing that. I didn't know that... <laughs> Even though I wrote your bio, that was when I first... I didn't know you were from Manhattan Beach. Yeah. I did not know you were from L.A. What high school did you go to? Um, it's a very small school called Landmark in Encino. It's called Westmark now. It's oh, I, a, I just met someone who also went there. Really? It's a for, it's a school for kids with learning disabilities. I started at Marlboro, mm-hmm. in, which I hated. Okay. Um, and then switched over there, because that's when I realized I had learning disabilities. It's interesting how being, like... Giving, getting like a diagnosis has made you infinitely more self-aware <laughs> yes. and smarter about yourself than most people in the world. Yes. Like you know exactly how you learn and you're like, oh yeah, this is what happens and it totally. seems to like raise your intelligence. It does and it that comes from growing up in privilege. Oh. Because I was able to have the test that needed to be done and then go to a school right. that helped and I was very, 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 very lucky to be able to, because it wasn't a public school, so I was able to get the help that I needed. Where, I, but yeah, well, then go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you privileged piece of shit. Well, I have to acknowledge that. No, a little I'm, that's bit, really it is that's like very. Smart. I, I I think there's a lot of people with such undiagnosed. I, I guess with mm-hmm. everything, anytime we can be aware of it, it's great. Oh, the fact that I just spent a long time talking about like my amazing public high school theater program. Yeah, that's. That's fucking. I mean, every I, <laughs> everything I, is. I, I mean, reek, my life. I reek is of privilege. privilege. Yeah. I went to school for musical and experimental theater. Like, what am I doing? Yeah, we're lucky people. We're very lucky people. We're lucky people. Rachel Bloom is a fucking lucky person. <laughs> An actress, singer, songwriter, writer, and comedian hailing from Manhattan Beach, California. She created and starred in the hit TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. All episodes available on Netflix and stars in the movie Most Likely to Murder. Rachel Bloom. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank Thank you. you. This was a blast. Thanks for listening to this particular album is very, very important to me. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at this particular album. Follow us on Twitter at particular album. The show is produced by me, Deborah Tarika, Ryan Middledorf, and everyone at Campfire Media. Artwork by James Mulholland. Music by me, Joel Spence. See you next time. Campfire. Hi folks, Sean Watkins here. I'm here to tell you about my podcast slash album. 
called This Is Who We Are. That's right. It's a podcast and a record, all rolled into one. Each episode features one song off the record paired up with a conversation with a guest who is related to that song in some way. Guests include Jackson Brown, Inara George, Kate Micucci, and the conversations aren't about these songs specifically. The songs just serve as sort of a topical springboard that hopefully will lend a little context to this new album of mine. Sort of like a modern day version of liner notes, only much more personal. The podcast and the album are both called This Is Who We Are. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts.